I'm ready. Oh, we're on? Okay, so we're on. All right, good. All right, well, welcome to uh, Wednesday night Bible class. We're going to be continuing our discussion on 1 Corinthians. I think that um, it's been going really well, even though a couple of the chapters are pretty difficult, pretty deep. There's a lot of meat um, in 1 Corinthians, and chapter 4 is not going to be any different. Um, so let's start with a prayer, and then we'll just go ahead and jump right into it, okay? Father God, we come before you. Lord, we are grateful for our time that we can get together as a body of believers and just look at your word and try to figure out the mysteries that uh, Paul's actually going to talk about in, in chapter 4. God, your word is so deep and uh, your ways are so far above our own ways and So as we come into our study, we come in with humility, we come in um, knowing that not, there's not anyone in here who has all the answers. And Father, that's why it's so important that we come together and, and glean from each other. So I just pray, Father, as we look at your word tonight, that uh, you guide our thoughts, that you uh, give us the words to speak, that... Uh, that the wisdom in this room is, is shared with one another and that we can all benefit one another as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. We thank you so much for Jesus, the love that he has, has had and will always have for us, the mercy and grace that he showed that even though we're not perfect, he was still willing to lay down his life for each and every one of us. God, I pray we never, never lose sight of that. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now remember the discussions that we've had in the past because Paul likes to write in kind of a circular format and everything he says in chapter 1, he's going to set up for chapter 2 and get a little bit deeper in chapter 3 and get a little bit deeper in chapter 4. Although I will say in chapter 4, he kind of, it almost seems like he goes off on a little bit of a, of a different route. But I actually think it all ties in perfectly together as most of uh, Paul's writings really do. So let's get into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. So let's start with the first part. Who is he talking about when he says this is how one should regard us? Who is he talking about? Go ahead. Yeah, he's talking about the apostles, right? He's going to make that even a little bit clearer as we get a little bit further down. Uh, if you want to read ahead just a touch, just to know that that's exactly who he's talking about. All right. So he says, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God that they're stewards of? What are the mysteries of God? Go ahead, Chuck. That's definitely a big part of the mystery, absolutely. 
Absolutely. What else would be a mystery to the Gentiles, though? The Jews were expecting it, but the Gentiles, their faith had nothing to do with what the Jews were expecting, right? What would that mystery be? Yeah, the gospel, Jesus being the Son of God, right? That is definitely a mystery that they have been stewards and servants of Christ for. So, I think there's a lot of mysteries in Scripture, and I think that's a, a, another opportunity to, to speak about that a little bit, that I think there's a lot of stuff in Scripture. We can read it, and we can read it, and we can read it, and there's just some stuff we're not fully going to understand. In fact, you go and you, and you prepare a lesson, and how people typically do it is they read other people's interpretations, and they read more people's interpretations, and they try to figure out what makes most sense for them. And a lot of Scripture is pretty easy, right? A lot of scripture, in my opinion, it leads to a very black or a very white solution, right? It leads to a right or a wrong. But there is scripture, and there are times even when scripture talks about grace, right? Where if it's wrong to you, you shouldn't do it, but if somebody else is doing it, like eating meat, sacrifice to idols, right? Then you shouldn't judge them either. So, I think that's some of what he's even alluding to, and he's going to get to later, but the, the mysteries of the apostle was just the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just the revelation of Jesus Christ. The fact that they were apostles, and, and, um, and all of that good stuff. So, let's go down to the bottom part real quick. But with me, is, it, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. What do you think about when you hear Paul say that? What comes to your mind? Go ahead, Chuck. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, anybody want to add to that real quick? Go ahead, Sue. Sure. Yeah, I think um, if you look at the last two verses, you're going to see that that's, he's coming full circle on that. At the end of this chapter, he's coming full circle on both those things that were just said, actually. Um, 
So I think this is an important part of uh, a discussion that we had earlier, right? Oh, go ahead, William, sorry. I mean, I agree with you 100% that if Paul was the type of person that was worried about everybody and what they thought about him, he would have never been able to do the job God called him to do. Because it didn't matter who he went to. It didn't matter who he went to. Listen, he was one of the most educated people when it came to what the Jews believed, who they were, right? He was one of the most educated people when it comes to even authors of the Bible, I mean, I think Luke's got, Luke's got maybe a little bit on him in some ways, but this is one of the most educated people in Scripture. And anywhere he goes, even though he can even make great arguments, and if you ever notice, one of the ways Paul writes is as he's writing, he's writing not just to defend his own argument, but to destroy the other argument. So he's thinking about, when I say this, people are going to say this, this, and this. That's why he's so circular in his writing. So he's a great debater. There's no doubt about it. And in, and in certain parts of Scripture, we get glimpses of those debates. We get glimpses of Paul saying amazing things. I don't want to give him too much credit because Scripture, even Jesus himself said, you know, you come into a place, you don't know what to say. Don't worry, I'll give you the words to say. But at the same time, Everywhere he went, whether he won the debate or not, he lost. He lost. Right? And even, even though he had all this education, even though he had been uh, confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, even though he literally changed, a very radical change, might I add, right, from leader of the persecution to one of the main leaders of the rebellion, if you will, right? of the rebellion that Jesus Christ led against the Jews of the time. And that's how they would have looked at it. So he had a radical transformation. He's got all of this testimony going for him. But everywhere he goes, he runs into trouble. His credibility is always under attack, regardless of which side he's speaking to. Go ahead, William. Yeah. Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, so I want to be careful with this because I don't think that Paul's saying, you can't reconcile him saying, I don't judge myself, I don't even make judgment on myself to I don't hold myself accountable, okay? And that, this is a part of the conversation that we were having
uh, a few weeks ago that I think is going to be uh, flushed out a little bit more as we go through 1 Corinthians. But if he is a faithful steward, right, like Sue was pointing out in chapter 2, but he's not even judging himself, that I, I want to be real clear with judgment versus accountability. Okay? Judgment versus accountability. Because Paul writes in other places some really, really difficult stuff when it comes to the accountability that we have to have on one another. Okay? And the accountability we have to have on ourselves, for that matter. So he's not just saying he goes, I just want to be real clear, in case anybody might be misconstruing any of this, into him saying, you know, I don't even worry about what's going on. I don't even worry about it. He, he's worried about it. He's not worried about it like God's not going to take care of it. Or he wouldn't be addressing it in this chapter right now. Right? Word has got back to him. And he's addressing that word that has got back to him. Okay? He's going to say some really interesting stuff tonight. So we've got we to gotta move because I think we're going to have a lot of discussion. I don't even think we'll probably get through chapter 4 tonight. Um, but that's okay with me. We can take as long as we want to take. Okay? So verse 4, well, does anybody want to say anything else? I don't want to always have the last word either. Okay, verse 4. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. Right? He's saying, hey, I don't know anything that I'm experiencing, right? But that doesn't necessarily make me innocent either. Okay? It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So we know, so we know. just finished off talking about how talking he doesn't about even judge What do you, what do you, when it comes to his instructions on judgment? What's the, what's the obvious, most obvious part of this scripture when it comes to that word, judgment? Yeah, that's it, right? Whose place is it? It's the Lord's. Go ahead, Chuck. That's it. That's right. That's right. Only, only he purchased. His, the purchase was in his blood, right? Go ahead, William. Are, are, you're done, right, Chuck? Yeah. Go ahead, William. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, that's, you're bringing up exactly, to me, the difference between Paul. He's going to hold people accountable, right? 
He's going to speak the truth. Okay? He's going to hold people accountable. But he's not placing anyone in judgment. You never see him condemn anybody or give anybody a free pass of salvation. Okay? He just doesn't do it. He just doesn't do it. And I think that's a really important thing when we're talking about the idea of what is the culture of our church? What are we supposed to be as Christians? What kind of people are we supposed to be? Well, one thing we're not supposed to be is the judge. That's one thing we're not I mean, it's as clear as day right here. And, he's, and this isn't the first chapter where he's talking about it. Go ahead, Chuck. Correct. 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 Yeah. I think the easiest way to keep that separate is the word judgment is reserved for God on the final day, on the last day, right? In the final judgment. But accountability is definitely our responsibility to one another. And I want to say this real quick, too, just from your point, then I'm going to go to you, Brent, okay? <clears throat> Even in the harshest disciplines, which I don't want to get too far ahead of our study here, but even in the most harshest disciplines that are recorded in Scripture, right, that are commanded even in Scripture by the apostles are not to condemn anyone. They're to bring them back to repentance. Even the harshest disciplines, right? So that's, I think that's really, really, really important to remember in all of this. And why? Why is it so important that we don't become the judge of everybody else? Why? Brant, go ahead, though, before we go further. Sorry. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just even going with that point, right, you're making me think of the scripture where it says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? Um, why is it so important that God's the only judge, though? Not that we don't keep each other accountable. Not that we don't try to all follow scripture and bring each other along, right, in a loving manner, right, in a forgiving, gracious manner. 
right? But not that we don't keep each other accountable. Why is this so important that God is the only judge? Go ahead, Chuck. I do. Yeah, none yeah, of us none can, of us, right? none of, As much as you might know somebody, there's still parts of them you don't know. And certainly the most dangerous thing you can ever do is try to make judgment on people's motivations. Because you don't know people's hearts, right? One of the things I was taught at a very young age, actually by my mother, she would say this to try to explain certain things that maybe we saw, right? Like one time we were walking into Walmart, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been walking through the doors, the front little foyer part of Walmart when somebody's trying to make a mad dash with a buggy full of groceries. But me and my mom walked into Walmart, and, do, and next thing you know, the doors were locked, and the guy ran hard as he could into the doors. They didn't budge. And then next thing you know, security was all over them, right? And I remember looking up to my mom, and I remember saying to her, why would anybody even do that? And she said something to me that, like, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it changed my life. It changed my view on people in general for the rest of my life. She said, you know, sometimes when people get desperate enough, they'll do crazy things. You know, it wasn't necessarily that it was a bad person. Maybe they were just in a bad situation and they, and got, they got desperate and they, and they did something they should, they have, should done. have done. They knew, they knew better, better than, than doing. doing. You ever think about that? And I think that that's, that's why we have to be really, really careful. I don't, I don't think it's ours to judge, if we're being honest. Now, I can, I can look at your actions and, I can, and, and, and we can use Scripture because we love each other to try to prod each other along and like William said a couple weeks ago, in, into the more excellent way, right? Into the better way of living, right? But just like we all receive our commendation from the Lord for our good work, only God can condemn as well, right? I mean, I think about Hebrews where it talks about all these great people and all the things that they did, right? All the great things for the Lord they did. But it wasn't their acts and their works that made them righteous. And this is what Hebrews says over and over and over again in this chapter. But it says it was their faith. It was their faith. It was their belief. It was their motive behind their acts that God credited to them as righteousness. And he starts with Abraham. Okay, so <clears throat> any, other, uh, any other things anybody want to share before we move on? Go ahead, William. Thank you, I am not like that guy, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's why we got to be really, we have to be really careful. We have to be really careful. Mm-hmm. 
And he knew it before she told him, right? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. If we, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about um, in Ephesians on Sunday, right? With the husbands and the wives, right? If we love each other the way we're supposed to love each other, when we hold each other accountable, then we should know it's in love. We will know it's in love, right? I mean, I look back at all the times I got punished growing up by my parents and I don't second guess a single one of those as they didn't do it out of love. I know they did it out of love. They might not have been right in every single accusation. I had a couple sisters that definitely uh, took consequences for. But I don't hold that against them because I know that even though sometimes they might have been wrong, what they were trying to do was right. And it was out of love. Okay? And the best part about God is he doesn't even make that mistake. Right? I don't have anything I've got to overlook when it comes to God. Okay? Or, or uh, reason later on in life with. Which, you know, I've talked about my parents a lot, so I don't want to throw them under the bus or anything because they're pretty good parents. Uh, go ahead, Sue. Uh, what William was saying about the Pharisee and the publican. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think the Pharisee truly believed what he was saying about himself. Uh, and that's the way he perceived himself as being that righteous, good, holy man. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think back even in verse 3, Paul said he didn't even judge himself. I think we have to be careful that we don't perceive ourselves uh, as being extremely holy and know that the Lord might see us differently, uh, that the Lord is looking at our heart and our motives. It's not just what we're doing outwardly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the struggle of the Pharisees, right? That's why he called them whitewashed tombs, right? That's why he said, your cup is clean on the outside, but it's disgusting on the inside, right? Because they got their righteousness from their acts, and they felt holy because of the sacraments and the rituals and the cleanings that they did, not what was actually happening in their mind and in their heart. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I agree with you. And I think one of the struggles of, uh, as we grow and mature in Christianity is we separate ourselves more and more. As we look back, right? I was talking about this uh, probably a few months ago now, but as you look back, you, you, you realize in your process of growing in Christ, right, in your relationship with God, you have changed a lot from the person that first showed up at the church, right? Sometimes we forget, and so were some of you, that part of Scripture, right? And, and such were some of you. So I, I think that's a very, very good point. And, and uh, I think that's why we have to be so careful 
even with accountability, the spirit that we do it in. You know, don't walk up to somebody you don't know and try to hold them accountable. It's not going to have the same effect as someone who you know and that knows, loves you and that you love them, right? <clears throat> Anything else real quick? William? I'll try to go fast. Uh, one thing I think is important is that we understand that that world out there is a vicious world, very aggressive world, and we're all being bombarded with all the all the bad stuff, mm -hmm. and they, the world turns it around like it's 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 heaven on earth. The world is heaven on earth, and we have to. Uh, I remember my my kids. One of the first things I taught my kids before they went to school was how to say no. I say if someone asks you to do something and you feel it's not right, just say no. No, don't. I, I'm not doing that. Don't feel compelled to. Well, if I say no, they won't be my friend anymore. I say, that's stuff. Don't fall for that. That's what they want you to fall for. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do it, say no. It's, you know, stand up and walk away. And that's the hardest thing because the world is addictive. It, once you get a little bit of it, uh, it's just like it's hard to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Only thing to get out of it is Jesus. And that's, that's all I have Okay. Anything else? We're going to move to new scriptures. I'm trying. I'm trying. I will never up the class for the sake of losing comments. I'd rather just take longer to get through 1 Corinthians than any other book we ever study. I learned one of my favorite things about this process right now is I learn just as much from you as any of you are going to learn from me tonight and every night. So that's a very cool thing for me. Um, all right, verse 6. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos. Remember who he was talking about in chapter 1, right? For your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Now, rather than um, pick this apart, we're going to move on, but I want you to pay attention to this one part right here where he says, don't go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another, for who, or, or, and then he goes, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive, right? Because he's about to play a game, and it's one of my favorite parts of how Paul writes, okay? <clears throat> so let me get into that real quick. Already you have all you want. Already you have all you want, right? You have become rich. Without us, you have become kings, Right? He's talking to a rich part of the, of, of the world. And, and, and people that are used to having power and favor and, and, and plenty. And would, that, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles. Look what he says right here. This is 
So interesting to me. He's about to flip the whole script, right? For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, right? So like I said, every time Paul goes into a room, he's one of the smartest people in the room already from his education, from his understanding of all the different cultures and backgrounds and having his dual citizenship. And like he's got so much going for him. And even though he's got all this wisdom and he has the mysteries of God, nobody wants to listen to him, right? He says, as apostles, we've become last of all, like men sentenced to death. Well, that's pretty much what happened, isn't it? I mean, at least according to church tradition, right? I mean, all of the apostles, except for John, were killed, right? Remember when uh, James and John come and their mom's like, hey, right and left hand right here? And he's like, you don't even know what you're asking for? You don't even know the cup you're asking for? Remember that? Right? Because just like Christ died to spread this gospel, the apostles died to spread the gospel as well. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. So there's this huge thing that's going on. I'm going to go through one more slide. Okay, one more slide, and then you can come, we can come all the way back if you want. I just want to spit it all out at once real quick, because I want you to see the way he writes. I want you to see how he builds, right? He says, we are fools for Christ's sake. He's th- who's we? He's talking about the apostles, right? But you are wise in Christ, right? We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Wow. Is that how you think of the apostles? Not at all, right? But this is the life they lived. Go ahead, Chuck. Sarcasm. It, it, okay. Okay, he says, we are weak, you are strong. You are wise in Christ, but we are fools in Christ. He's saying, you think you're so smart. you become kings, and it did it all in themselves. To me, this is just dripping with sarcasm, which he comes after 13, and he says, uh-uh, you're not, and this is the problem you have. And it's true. They are the people who are working. It's interesting, he says, we labor, working with our own hands. In other words, some of those other people, they didn't get what they deserved. They didn't earn it. Okay. So uh, to me, this is just dripping with sarcasm, which is what Paul does a lot of time, and then he flips it. Yeah. Anybody else? So for me, I would say that in a lot of this, he's not being sarcastic. Now, I'm not saying that he's saying that the new Christian at Corinth that's struggling with all the stuff 
that he's about to bring into it is wiser than him in Christ. But they're not the one that lives it every day and is being made a fool of. They're not the one that's out there in the struggle every single day putting it all on the line for God. And what has it got them? What has it got Paul? What did it get Jesus? Did Jesus have mansions? Did he have thrones? He didn't even have a place to sleep most of the time. He couldn't even get away from the crowd long enough to get his own, his own head right at times, right? He goes all the way across the lake, and what happens? They're sitting there waiting on him. So I think there is, and I'm not saying that there is no sarcasm in it, but I think there's also a truth in it that he's saying. Do you think Paul walked around in the same clothing he walked around in before he was converted when he's constantly going around searching and, and, and spreading gospel and everything else? Do you think when he's marooned on an island or just got out of a shipwreck or just been beaten or any of that stuff, do you think that he's not reviled? Do you think that he's not persecuted or slandered? Go ahead, William. You know, uh, one thing, you, you talked about John the Baptist uh, last Sunday, and I think that demonstrate, his life demonstrated how he lived. He was preaching in the wilderness. The people was coming out to hear him. But when he finished preaching, baptizing, they went home. Mm -hmm. And he was talking wilderness. You got it. Yeah. You got it. So I think I think that's a continuation of, 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 of the apostle is continuation of Christ and Christ uh, 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 John the Baptist. The way he lived and was treated was almost extreme. But I think that demonstrate when you are serving God the way God wants you to serve him, uh, in their case, uh, they were given mission to do, to go out and tell the people. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's, that's how I look at it. Okay. Chuck, go ahead. I just, I look at the general, the general theme that he has in these six verses, and you're right. He lived, what, what he did was when he's reviled, he blessed. I think the contrast he's drawing here is to say, we're so... We're so not not so good, not like you, because when we're reviled, well, we bless, you know? What are they doing? When we're reviled, they revile back. Yeah, they when persecuted, out, yeah. we endure. They don't endure, they fight back. When slandered, we entreat. When they're slandered, they slandered some back harder than they slandered them. So what he's saying is, we're, we're doing all these things wrong, and you're so smart, and we're so dumb. And that's why I'm calling this, this is just as dripping with sarcasm, Paul, is to say, have I got your attention yet? This is how a Christian reacts, which is what he's, the, the point he's going to put on that. That's why I said, to me, this is just dripping with sarcasm. Yeah. Because he's trying to drive a point home. And you, and you might be right. It's, that's the beauty of, you know, when we read these things, we see them a little bit differently at times, right? Because, I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying. But I also go back to, what, what, what's the overall theme he's been talking about, right? He's been talking about we're making these judgments on people. We're choosing who we're going to follow based on these judgments and we're making on people, right? Well, if we're making judgments based on the way the world normally makes judgments, right? Remember when he said that? If you're divided, aren't you a flesh? Aren't you just flesh when you're divided, when you're following this guy or that guy, right? So when, we, when you think of it from that perspective, 
He's, I think he's trying to make the argument of, who, who would you follow? Would you follow you guys that are sitting up there like kings, like living the life? Or would you follow me who's getting whipped and shipwrecked everywhere I go? You know, something bad is happening, getting bit by poisonous snakes. One minute they're worshiping me as God, the next minute they want to kill me. I look like a fool to the world. So I think there's, I think, uh, and, and, and I, I'll, I'll actually, I will concede this much of it, period. It might be that he's doing both at the exact same time. <laughs> he might be finishing an argument that he's made from the past and also bringing into an argument that he's making in the future um, with the people who, who've been calling him out, right? And holding him in judgment. Anybody else want to add anything? Go ahead, Mike. Amplified seems to agree with Chuck. Uh, this is this is sarcasm. Mm -hmm. and it pretty well reads that way. He hit some things that the text actually says in the Amplified. Okay. Mean he's not trying to drive home a point. He definitely is. Okay. Anybody else? Go ahead, Mom. Well, I kind of thought that the beginning he was being sarcastic. Like the first, the first couple verses there, he was being sarcastic. And then he went on to make his point, you know, to, to bring in his point. But in the beginning, the, the thing changed. But in the beginning, I thought he was being sarcastic. But I didn't think in the whole thing he was. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, for me, it's... Uh, not really necessarily a matter of right or wrong for me. Uh, you can see it however you want to see it on that. Um, I, I just have a hard time with the idea that Paul isn't going through these exact feelings and exact struggles. So that doesn't mean that he's not being sarcastic from the other side. Um, but I think if he, even if he is at most being just sarcastic all the way through, I think he's using points that are real in his own life, uh, for sure. I mean, Peter's over there getting paid, for example, while Paul is a tent, tent maker to, to pay his own way. Um, but let's keep reading. Let's keep reading, because we're almost done, and we might actually get through this. Yeah, go ahead. He is trying to help the church grow. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. I do not write these things to make you ashamed but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the, through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now this is interesting. This is interesting. In fact, some people would say that... Uh, what Paul says here is uh, not very good scripturally, not very good follower of Jesus. Because Paul can't be the father if God's the father. You familiar with that? So what is he saying? What is he saying? I mean, I'm going to say right now, I think that's a terrible interpretation. I don't agree with it. But what's he saying? Because I've heard it, right? I've heard... I had a friend who um, he was. We were we were at we were in a ministry meeting and we were at a lunch and 
And he was talking about um, his spiritual son. He kept saying his spiritual son, his spiritual son. And one of the ministers that was sitting beside me was getting aggravated every time he said that, right? And he was like, well, what does he call you? And he goes, I'm a spiritual father. And he's like, that's heresy. Even Jesus said, don't call anybody your father but your father in heaven. Right? What? Oh, he got real serious. He's, a, he's actually a really fun guy, but it wasn't fun this moment. Right? So we actually went to 1 Corinthians 4 to just make sure he understood that if my other buddy was a heretic, so was Paul. Okay? So... So what is Paul saying, though? It's real simple, right? Go ahead. He flips it. He says, he says okay, I've really stuck it to you in mm -hmm. that last six verses. I, I, really, I really hit you where you're saying, well, wait, wait a minute. We're, we don't think that's wrong. And he's saying, I don't write these things to make you ashamed because they're not doing the things Paul said. When I'm reviled, okay, I entreat them. And he said, no, when you're reviled, you strike back. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is, is, I'm not trying to shame you into anything. I'm just trying to bring you around as children. He refers to them as children, and I think that's the key to him becoming them, their father. The father is the one who teaches the child the way and the path that they have. That was the relationship between a father and the, the father's child was to teach them so they could be effective in what they were pursuing. In this case, it's pursuing God, pursuing Christ. So I think where he's saying this is, I'm trying to bring you around. I'm trying to get your attention. Hopefully I did with what I said. I'm trying to bring you to Christ, and I'm trying to be your guide. He doesn't say it here at this particular point. He says, you need to stop listening to the false guides. I yeah. did this not for my own benefit. They are. Be imitators of me, not them. Yeah. Anybody else want to jump in on that? I kind of set that one up a little scary, didn't I? I was like, I don't know what this is. You scared me away on that one. Uh, the older women are to teach the younger women, and parents are to train their children. Mm -hmm. You can label it anything you want. Just do the job, you know? Yeah, I think, I think all he's really saying is, like, who, who was the first one to bring you the gospel? Right? Who was the one who fathered this faith into you? Right? Who was the one who oversaw the church, the start of this church? Right? And I don't, I don't think just a few verses before that, right? He brings Apollos onto his level. Right? He says, I make sure that these things I'm saying, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, are, are true, and I've held them into account of me and Apollos. Right? So I don't think he's like flexing like, don't follow Apollos. Don't follow Peter. I'm the one who started this church. I don't think he's doing that. Right? But he is saying, because there is a problem that's going on where people in the church of Corinth are trying to attack Paul's credibility. He is saying, don't be like them. Don't give in to them. Don't forget, don't forget our past, right? Be imitators of me. And I, and I agree that, you know, going back to... Um, this idea where he keeps saying we bless, right? When we're vile, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandering, we entreat. And I believe that he is saying, these are the things you saw me do. 
right? These are the things you saw. This is the attitude that I displayed. These are the actions that I shared with you. This is the example that I set for you. And maybe, right, let's jump forward real quick. I'm going to read this real quick. That is why I sent you, Timothy, just because I want to read every scripture, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, right? Like you, you're forgetting who I was. You're forgetting the example that I set for you as I teach them everywhere in every church. You know why? Because I'm consistent. Why? Because the truth is consistent, and I'm truthfully, consistently, faithfully trying to follow God, not myself. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, right? Like some people are like, Paul's never coming back. He's not coming back. He's not here right now. Right? And then he says this, and I think this will bring it all, everything we've even talked about tonight full circle, which is why I wanted to get to here. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. So he's saying, look, they're confident I'm not coming. I'm telling you I'm coming, but obviously if the Lord wills, if it's in God's will for me. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their Power, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So again, let's bring this full circle really quick, and let's just talk about this. He's not worried about their talk. He's worried about their power, right? When somebody makes an accusation against you and you know it's not true, does it hold any power? Does it really have any power? Now, they can slander you, they can talk trash about you, they can, they can make you look bad, but to you personally, does it really hold any power? If somebody were to some, come and accuse me, I'll give, you, I'll give you a great example. The very first year I was director of Team Week, um, they got a new uh, background check system. And the very, uh, uh, my first day of director, I get called into the office of Ron Brackett, right? And he says, Matt, we got a serious issue. Okay. It's like, have you ever been to Michigan? It's like, I think I played one soccer game in college in Michigan. I don't think I've ever been to Michigan any other time. So I don't know. I could call my parents to make sure, like when I was a kid, we didn't go to Michigan. And he says, well, I think you're going to have to go home. And I said, what? He said, yeah. Your background check says you got a DUI and that you're wanted for aggravated assault and that you're actually a violent felon. I said, wow, I didn't even know that about myself. I said, I can tell you for a fact, I've never had a DUI and I've never been arrested for any violent crimes, certainly nothing of a felony. In fact, I've never been arrested at all. I've only been to court once, and that's because I was driving way too fast, and I was very young. He said, huh, that's interesting. I said, can I see that? So he turns the report around to me. It's Matthew John Robinson. My middle name is Joseph. But I can tell you that if it was somebody who knew me, right, who knew me well, and they were talking about something that was real, a real struggle, a real issue of mine, I would not have been the same person as I was, Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected, as he's telling me I had a DUI, and then I'm a violent felon, and all that. It made no sense. It didn't bother me at all. I knew this issue would be resolved instantly. 
right? So I think that's what he's talking about when he comes to, I'm not worried about their talk. I'm worried about the power behind their talk, right? I'm worried about what's actually going to hold, what's actually going to stick. What, when you come with me, you're going to see God in my life, right? And when I put myself up against them, we'll see if they're acting godly as well, right? So I think that's what he's talking about. Now, I want to finish by saying this, because we were talking about judgment and accountability. And I want to give everybody one last second to say anything they want to say. But this is where we have to just acknowledge what Paul is saying in this moment, right? Not every time in your Christian relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ is just going to be butterflies and rainbows and love and forgiveness. Right? Sometimes there's discipline. Sometimes there's accountability. Sometimes there's tough talks that have to happen. And if it's just talk, it'll blow over in your life. Right? But everybody's had that tough talk with someone they know loves them, that's holding them accountable in the Lord, and they know when they go home, it doesn't just blow away, does it? That's the power I think that Paul's talking about. And that's why he's saying, you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? Right? I can come to you in love and gentleness, or I can come to you with a rod. Anybody want to add to that? Go ahead, Paul. This entire chapter can be summed up with the parable of the workers in the field. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, there were some people who thought they deserved more than other people because of what they did. And the master said, no, everybody's alike here. Everybody gets the same reward regardless of what they did. When you look at this chapter, it's about how we judge each other based on what we think we've done versus what other people think they've done. Sure. And so if you look at it in that light, then the intent here, I think, is for us to remember that this isn't about judging one another or comparing one another based on who's done certain things. This is about God and about our willingness to participate with everyone in a gentle and kind way and having good thoughts about each other. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. We finished before eight. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, you guys did that tonight. You did that. Anyway, hey, it was all good comments. I think the discussion was very good tonight, and I uh, appreciate everybody coming tonight. I do have one quick announcement. Thank you, because I did forget. Uh, if you're a, I need to make sure you understand. If you're a woman, for Mother's Day, we were, we were trying to encourage the women to wear hats so we can get all those cute pictures again and all that fun stuff, right? If you're a man, you can join in and wear a hat, but we're going to make you check it at the door on Sunday morning, okay? So, anyway, I'm just, I was asked to announce that, all right? Again, thank you so much for your comments, and we'll see you next time. I missed the nine on that side.